in the weird scape of things, people understand our conflict because everyone that's in that crowd most likely has a job. They most likely have a boss that is overbearing. They have a boss that gives them things that doesn't seem fair, you know, or or does things that's something fair. And and you don't have that at all in MWA. (laughs) In reality, (laughs) what are you going to do with that? Are you going to uh, fold? Are you going to quit? Or are you going to rise to the challenge, accept the challenge, and beat that challenge? And that's what I think uh, really appeals to that crowd, which is why they seem happy whenever I do come out come out of that curtain when they hear my music play when i start clapping they start clapping along is because they know that there's a challenge in front of me and i will do whatever it takes to step up and complete that challenge in spite of you because i know you are more than happy to see me fail at every wake and turn and they'll they'll be even more more happy when i finally get that chance that championship match after winning that battle royal in lincoln nebraska in front of that faithful crowd instead of, uh, where, where was that at? McCook or Beatrice when, when Van Johnson threw the referee in front of my boot there and got me disqualified. I, I think the people are ready to see me finally get what's coming to me. And that's a true championship opportunity. And welcome to Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Cadillac, and if you're nearby a window, you might want to look out the window and see if you see a pig flying by. Might want to check the forecast of hell because it may be frozen over. My guest today is Christian Temple. And before we get any further, Christian Temple, how, how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing just fine, even though uh, you mentioned that hell's freezing over. I feel like I'm in hell right now being on this podcast with you. Well, trust me, the feeling is very mutual. Um, I love being on this podcast with me, but uh, and my guests have been so great in the past. And then, I don't know, Lincoln's kind of spoke up, and they, for whatever ungodly reason, they said, we, we want to hear Christian Temple, and my immediate response was, why? But we'll see how we can get through this. I'm sure they would have loved to see me on a video podcast, but uh, let's be honest, you've got the perfect face for radio, so at least you oh. found your calling in the podcast world, so oh. my hat's off to you for that, my friend. I have seen a recent comment, I'm going to just come right out with it, as if I didn't dislike you enough already, I've seen you went on to another another platform, another interview, and it was brought up about my attendance at WrestleMania 28, a very proud moment of mine. Now, I haven't brought this up to you yet, but I was watching this interview and, you know, I gotta give a shout out to my good friend Sam McClung and he uh, he was proud to let you know that a match that means so much to you as a wrestling fan Undertaker and Triple H end of an era inside Hell in a Cell Shawn Michaels is a referee and they're sharing this moment on stage and they're hugging and the camera pans out to a 20-0 and 0 sign and right behind them is a bald-headed Johnny Cadillac who has no idea he's on TV. And it was such a genuine moment for me. And the fact that somebody else is bringing it up, it was great to hear. And your response of, 
Well, I'm sure he took up most of that camera angle. I said, okay, hold on. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, it's all in good fun. And obviously, (laughs) shout out to my good friend, Sam. He's obviously one of my biggest fans at the show. He just, he loses his voice the amount of times he cheers for me every time in that crowd. And he can attest to that, I'm sure. Um, (laughs) I'm sure, I'm sure you're happy that we don't have video here where we can't show that picture that he loves the show of you. With Van Johnson and Levi McDaniel is very much so taking care of one Christian temple. <laughs> Who knows? We may need to recreate that. Maybe it's me and Brian Blade uh, doing that to to uh, about said Levi McDaniel, but he would work too. But uh, Van Johnson, after uh, Brian Blade <laughs> defeats him this coming weekend, but no. In, in all seriousness, um, you you brought up a good point. The match with uh, Triple H versus uh, Undertaker with Shawn Michaels as the referee, easily one of the the best WrestleMania matches I could think of in in a long time. It, it it took it took me took me on a ride. I'm sure it took you on a ride at the WrestleMania too. It was I could only I, I had a blast watching it at home. I can only imagine uh how you felt about it seeing it live. Absolutely. And no the the environment there was incredible and just being a part of that and like to me I, I felt like I will say and I think this is another place where we would agree well almost agree on things but to me, still to this day, my, my favorite, and my buddy the Sieve likes to tease me about this, but it's all in good fun. But still to this day, my favorite all-time match, doesn't matter the company, is Undertaker and Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 25, their first match. Um, to me, I thought was was as dang near as a perfect match as it could be. Um, but being there in that moment, at end of an era, I said, all right, this is surpassing it. And then I went and watched it back, and everything I remember of that match being so great didn't show as much for me on TV. And I, where I still enjoyed it, but the match itself was like, I was like, I thought I remembered this being a little better. So maybe it was just that atmosphere of being there that was like the difference maker for me. So. Well, we also know that the Sieve's uh, taste in matches also is just about as good as his taste in face paint. So, um, <laughs> we. With that, with that being said, no, I would agree that uh, WrestleMania 25 is is. I would agree with you. Got it. That's burning my taste buds saying that right now. Is uh, <laughs> is is a phenomenal match as well. Although you may remember from the podcast, I mentioned the uh, emotional roller coaster that was also the next year, uh, the rematch, Shawn Michaels Undertaker WrestleMania 26, and that was I, I told the story on that podcast, but just br- just. Go ahead. Uh, Briefly summarize it. Yes, I was there with my best friends, uh, Chase and, uh, my tag team partner, Justin Gray. And, uh, we just, we weren't sure. We didn't know. It's like, yeah. is, is this really going to be the end of the streak? Is it really going to be the end of Shawn Michaels? And when that one, two, three happened, it was, it, it brought genuine emotion on all three of our faces. Cause, you know, Shawn Michaels was all someone we grew up watching. Yeah. And I, I can relate with you on that. Um, uh, looking back at it now. I keep telling myself, like, how did I not see the writing on the wall back then? And it was because simply because I did not want, I wasn't ready for Shawn Michaels to retire, and so I was hoping, I was hoping, and I, and then it was worrying me because that was the main event that year. But then I said, okay, this is a big deal either way, because one of two things is happening: either A, Shawn Michaels' career is over. Or B, the Undertaker's streak is over, and that was a big deal too. So I said, okay, oh give it the benefit of the doubt that makes sense that it's in the main event spot, but I was still hoping. And cause I just, I didn't want to see Shawn Michaels retire yet. And you know, it, it was the, not the result I wanted to me. It, it was a good match too. It very much so was. And I think it was what Shawn Michaels would have wanted for his final match to be. 
The reason why, because I've been in some debates with some people since then on which WrestleMania match was better, and to each their own, it's a matter of interpretation. To me, what did it for me with Shawmy uh, with the first encounter at WrestleMania 25 was I felt it was a little more genuine to me with their rematch at 26. It almost felt like the two of them were just focused on having a better match than what their previous match was, and it almost took away from it. That's how I felt anyway. Well, they don't call him Mr. WrestleMania for nothing, so Shawn Michaels <laughs> is always going to try to one-up himself every single year, year in and year out. And, uh, yeah, I, I see I see the point that you're making, and, you know, I I still think the 20, and you know, it may not be the most popular opinion because 25 was extravagant, but I still yeah. think 26 took us on a on a bigger roller coaster ride than uh, than 25 did. And then I didn't think anything would top that until 28 in that Hell in a Cell, and then that was even, you know, I had heart palpitations. It seemed like in that match compared to the compared to the other two. I jumped out of my seat when uh, they hit the super kick and uh, pedigree combination. I was like, "There, no one kicked out of that." Yeah, no, not a single person kicked out of that combination. And then when he did, it just it it took my breath away. It was amazing. Well, and it was great too because um, you know where I was there, but then we still ordered the pay per view on pay per view. We still dropped the fifty sixty dollars, whatever it was. And I had a few friends over after I came back from Miami who hadn't seen WrestleMania yet and to watch WrestleMania. And I remember we weren't quite as close then, and now he's a real close friend of mine, my friend Ryan Johnson, who's uh, been the Facebook producer of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk when I've had those Facebook Lives, and a very active MWA fan as well. But he came over that night, and he didn't know the result of that match. And he's, he's invested. He's on his knee. He's sitting on the floor and he's on his knees at times, just really getting into the match. What, what was going on? Ready to like yell at the referee on calls he didn't agree with and vice versa. Like thinking near falls were going to be it. And they hit that super kick into, into the pedigree. Well, I guess yell at Shawn Michaels. He was the referee. And, uh, and he said, okay, this, this is it. And, and Undertaker kicked out. And he actually got mad because he didn't like the Undertaker streak to begin with. And he says, "No, that's two men's finishers back to back, like nothing in between. Nobody should kick out of that." <laughs> and like, so seeing his—he's not human. He's yeah, inhuman. <laughs> seeing his emotion a different way just put all the more of a smile on my face for like different reasons. But like, it's just—it's great seeing just different reactions to different things. And I mean, that's that's a nice thing about wrestling. Like wrestling in general is, you know, there's a lot of the common favorites. And like, to me, I think it's a no, I, I say Shawn Michaels is the greatest wrestler of all time. And I almost feel like everyone should agree with me, but I understand they're not. I had Brian Blade on here a while back and we were talking about the greatest mainstream wrestler of all time. Cause he was ready to say that Brian Blade was the greatest wrestler of all time. And, uh, but, and he, we did a tournament of the greatest wrestler of all time. And he had Shawn Michaels eliminated in round one. That wasn't a detriment on Shawn Michaels. He just thought Roman Reigns was a bigger name. Uh, and uh, so I was like, well, bold move, but they're who I was going to have win the whole thing, and he's out near round one here. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? And that's the interesting part is like in the in the 90s when Shawn Michaels was on top, that was there was a downtime in, in the pro- professional wrestling industry. And, you know, it it 
today's WWE may not be your 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 dad. This ain't your dad's WWE anymore, too. Sure. It's a whole different sure. animal, too. But there's there's no denying Roman Reigns is is the top dog in in this era of uh, of of. Uh, sports entertainment so yeah and, and rightfully and rightfully so i mean you you can't really point to anything he does uh every single week as you know bad television he seems he delivers week in and week out <laughs> and it's been it's been three years at this point that he's been on top doing this so it's it's oh, been yeah. an impressive uh He's going to have an impressive legacy when it's all said and done. Well, and it's still going even today. And that's that's the fun thing in, in within Roman Reigns now is you wonder there's like just about every WrestleMania I think it's common for the fans to be like okay, this is a year maybe not last year's WrestleMania as much I feel, but most other like WrestleMania 37 with Edge and Daniel Bryan or this year with Cody Rhodes, everyone this is a year that Roman Reigns reign ends. And then he gets the three count again, and so then it becomes even more of a guessing game of <laughs> how long is this this championship reign really going to last? Like me personally, I think until next year's WrestleMania and Cody Rhodes gets it back. But you know, I've been wrong on so much before. There's people who think that he could break Bruno's record. I think, yeah, it's it's way out there. But who's to say that he would have been champion for this long to begin with? So I mean, it's. it's it's a guessing game, and it's, it's an investment at the same time, so it's all the more fun for me just having those debates. Uh, absolutely, and I mean, so you're talking about streaks. I mean, heck, on, on another note, uh, Gunther is, you know, a hop, skip, and a jump away from breaking, you know, Honky Talk Man's oh, yeah. streak. So, I mean, it's if there's a time for to, to get someone, you know, on the map uh, in the WWE, I mean, that's a great way to do it, and I, I really thought Cody was going to come out victorious at last year's WrestleMania. It just seemed like all the momentum was in the in the world uh, was was going his way. And uh, you know what? I'm starting to lean more towards it could be Jey Uso's year this year. Yeah, because the way they're building it up right now. I mean, obviously, SummerSlam's another you know place, and you can even have something at the Royal Rumble even. But yeah, I mean, I I could believe uh, Jey Uso being being the one to to take take down Roman at WrestleMania especially the way they're building things up right now. Oh, ab- absolutely. Go ahead. And that's that's what's great cause, like I y- y- this has been very compelling which hasn't been a thing even being in being in as a professional wrestler and there's probably a lot of guys that agree with you too when you're actually doing this sometimes it takes the fan out of you. Yeah, oh um, yeah. Watching watching you know mainstream wrestling too. But this has been some of the most compelling stuff that's got me hooked back in, even as someone that's been doing this for a few years at this point. Um, and, you know, not, nothing against AEW, right, or anything like that. There's, you know, I've got friends of mine that have competed in AEW, so I, I, I've got nothing against that. Um, it's been very compelling uh, okay. what, what WWE has done with the whole Bloodline deal. Oh, most definitely. And there's a number of directions I want to go from just what you were saying there. Um, and I have questions circulating through my head, and who knows if we'll get through all of them. But um, I do want to start off by saying, because you mentioned Jay Uso, and I don't necessarily think, especially come SummerSlam, I don't think Jay Uso's taking the championship. But I'm glad you brought that up, because the you know, thing is, even prior to Roman Reigns becoming champion, is he was still, granted, he took a lot of time off, but he went almost a year without even being pinned before winning the championship. So it was like December of 2019 was the last time he was pinned. And they've been making a huge deal about that, you know, where Roman Reigns has been in these tag team matches over the last several months that has 
where he hasn't been victorious, but he wasn't the one getting pinned. And it's still a big thing. Roman Reigns hasn't been pinned. And I would not have been able to guess that the one who was going to break that that streak would have been Jay Uso. And to me, I figured whoever was going to be the first to pin him was pinning him for the championship. So I've already been proved wrong in a couple different ways, but it brings all the more intrigue to it, in my opinion. Kind of takes me back to uh, circa, you know, 2004, 2005, when uh, Triple H was was riding high as the world heavyweight champion. And uh, obviously the outlier in this equation has been Wah winning at uh, WrestleMania. But then there was kind of that asterisk. Well, would would he have done so at WrestleMania if there wasn't Shawn Michaels involved or anything like that? But even still, <laughs> when when the time came when Triple H's reign did come to an end, ultimately, it came to the guy that was basically his right-hand man for years and years and years in Batista. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're right. You're right on the right on the button with that. Um, so yeah, it's uh again, it's it's interesting to see. It's fun to watch, and I mean, to me, it seems like WWE is all the more excite extra exciting right now. But then I have to remind myself, oh yeah. They're getting ready for their second biggest pay-per-view of the year. It's supposed to be all the great, greater to watch right now. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. So mission accomplished there, WWE. You're doing that right. And even to what you were saying with with Gunther, is I think so many people are, you know, it's a lot more attainable for him to break Honky Tonk Man's record, especially at this point, than it would be for Roman Reigns to break the record of Bruno San Martino. It's a lot more attainable. And I think... Most of us would think he's probably going to do just that, but at the same time, he's in it with Drew McIntyre right now, and McIntyre just went off of this this absence, and he needed to get everything right in order for him to come back. So then, again, it just really makes you wonder. Absolutely, and I mean the 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 closer you get to that uh, to that. Um accomplishment obviously the tougher the road it's going to be too and uh drew mcintyre is the that's the perfect uh opponent to uh to make it more worthwhile to get more eyeballs on the fact will he will he accomplish uh beating the streak or will will he fall short because of uh, a worthy adversary like like drew mcintyre so absolutely so there's two other questions i want to ask you based on conversation so far uh, hopefully briefly we'll get to this and then, you know, I'll give you some time to talk about yourself some more. Uh, we were talking about Shawn Michaels earlier. Um, in your opinion, and this is, I don't know, to each their own. Did you feel Shawn Michaels career? Did you feel like he was a better star before or after his back injury? Like when, when you think of Shawn Michaels and, you know, some of his greatness, which do you think of first? Well, I, I am a little bit biased on that because, uh, I didn't see a whole lot of Shawn Michaels, you know, in the, uh, in the late nineties where, okay. you know, he was riding on top, uh, the evolution of, uh, Degeneration X, the click, all that stuff. Um, I obviously know much about his career and I appreciate it a lot more that I, you know, am a professional wrestler and I, I go back and I study all these guys too. Cause I, cause I like, I like learning about, uh, you know, how, how careers are, are made or if, oh, yeah. you know, unfortunately it's kind of, it's a little morbid to say, but how careers kind of fall off too, you know, you, you, you know, I'm a, I'm a wrestling history buff. You know, I, mean, I like, I like learning about that stuff. <laughs> I do um, watch dark side my, of the ring. So I get it. <laughs> right. Yeah. My, my heyday of Shawn Michaels definitely was after the back injury. Uh, I remember him coming back in, uh, in 2002 with the, uh, with the new world order and everything. Yep. Um, 
the the feuds with Triple H were were so entertaining and great television to watch even as a kid. I still remember watching their three stages of hell match. Oh yeah. Um uh their hell in a cell match in 2004. I mean, that's always a classic. Yep. And um obviously their his reunion with uh Triple H when they did rejoin uh uh Degeneration X even though they kind of they kind of beat that dead horse a, a little too long for my liking, but okay. uh, you know, obviously, um, the the legend of Shawn Michaels is obviously the boyhood dream story. Sure, that's that's the thing because he's coming from a generation where, you know, look at the champions before him; they're all you know, maybe except for Bret Hart or Ric Flair or something like that. You know, they're all the, the six foot seven, uh, 300 pound, you know, take, take your vitamins, say your prayers, you know, the, the, <laughs> the, the cartoon, he came from the cartoon character yeah. kind of wrestling era sure. and everything. But the fact that, uh, the fact that even through all that, he found a way to climb to that mountaintop and that WrestleMania match, uh, that Iron Man match against Bret, the Hitman Hart, easily one of the greatest matches of all time especially one of the greatest championship matches of all time, because mm-hmm. Iron Man matches were, you know, that was, I think that was the first one. It was. If I'm not mistaken. So that was something that had never been done before. It was done to near perfection, I'd say. And the fact that it went to an overtime setting, Shawn Michaels with the last, you know, the story they told with like the, the last bit of energy Shawn Michaels had left gets the super kick, covers Bret Hart, one, two, three, and seeing him, if Neil knelt down in the middle of the ring, holding the belt in his arms, which actually I, the first time I won a championship, I did kind of emulate that a little <laughs> nice. bit too, you know, give, give my little Shawn Michaels moment there. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's one of the most iconic moments in, uh, in WrestleMania history. It- so obviously that's going to be, that's ultimately his legacy. The, the guy that was too small, the guy that couldn't, you know, c- couldn't, uh, battled the big guys finding his way to the mountaintop. Obviously that's it. But then again, there's, there's a lot more layers to peel back of Shawn Michaels, you yeah. know, the wrestler over the years. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head with so many of those statements. And then I think as, as a no brainer, but I'll still state the obvious, the big thing about that Iron Man match too. Yes. It had to, it had to go to sudden death cause it was tied, but the crazier thing was it was tied zero to zero. You see all these sudden death situations nowadays in Iron Man matches, and a lot of times they feel like they have to do a 30-minute Iron Man match. You know, they wonder if they can even do the Broadway, but the fact that there was no falls going into that one-hour time mark, and then they're like, okay, who is somebody going to actually get a victory here? Like, it's especially at that time, unheard of, and just goes to show the testament of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels at that time. Absolutely. So the other question I want to ask you based on some previous responses you gave, you did mention where, uh, you know, being in the business, you, you hear of so many, and it's true. So many people, it's, it's what they do. It's their profession. They love what they do, but it's, they kind of get burnt out otherwise. So they may not be going home and watching the mainstream product. You know, Eric Woodard's talked about he watches. WrestleMania every year, Royal Rumble, and he needs to be reminded what people's names are. He just, you know, he, he does it for a living, but then he just doesn't think about it outside of when he's actually working. You've been a wrestler for a while now yourself. Have you had those moments? Did you kind of get out of mainstream wrestling just by being in the business? Oh, 100%. I mean, that was one of the earliest things 
uh, my trainer warned me about. Honestly, it's like you you get in to learn the ropes of wrestling. You will begin. He he said hate wrestling. I don't think so much hate wrestling as far as you you will not look at wrestling the same with that same innocence that you did as a child. I I think that's the biggest deal because obviously when you're eight, nine, ten years old, you're seeing your heroes on TV. I mean, let's be honest. You're when you're a wrestling fan, there's always the guys that you latch on to the most that that you just can't take your eyes off the screen. And then when you turn 18 or 19 or 20 years old and trying to break into the wrestling business, those guys are older or they're gone. Yeah. You know, so it's not it's not the same. And like, look at any era of professional wrestling. The 70s are not the same as the 80s. The 80s were not the same as the 90s. The 90s were not the same as the or the attitude era is not the same as the, uh, you know, the early 2000s or the later 2000s. You know, nothing stays the same forever. So the wrestling that you knew that you love that you thought I want to do this one day tends to not become the same kind of wrestling that you end up joining when, when you actually want to break in. Yeah. So that that's, I think that's the kind of the, the mentality that, or the, the not mentality, the reality of, you know, going from a kid dreaming about this to when you actually uh, try to achieve your dream. So with that said, did, I mean, we're talking about me because I honestly, in the, I've known you for a very long time now. Um, I've been ring announcing for right about six years, and I think probably at least four or five of those years I've I've worked with you. I don't think it's been quite the whole time, but most of that time. And we, we've we been through a lot, and we're going to – trust me, we're going to touch on quite a bit of it here because uh, that's, that's what the people want to listen to. Um, but the thing is, the one thing I don't think I've ever – recalled having conversations with you about is wrestling like working in wrestling and when i say that i mean a lot of because i still i never grew out of it um maybe it's because i'm not a wrestler myself so i can't really critique some of the moves and stuff i can critique critique ring announcers and i try not to do that i firmly believe that johnny cat uh, that sorry that Howard Finkel is a Johnny Cadillac of the WWE. He was he was that good that he can be compared to Johnny Cadillac. Um, but no, like at the same time, I there hasn't been enough for me to to fare away from it. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, we we've, we've talked about maybe your upcoming matches that you're getting ready for, whether it be that show or future shows or some of the work you do for the other wrestling companies you work for. I don't think we've really ever actually talked about the wrestling we see on TV. And maybe you've talked about it with others. I just know you haven't really, we haven't really talked about it. So glad you shared that insight there. Absolutely. I mean, no, it's usually when I, I go to a wrestling show, it's like, I, I'm usually try to be as, you know, all, all business as possible. I mean, I mean, I joke around and fool around sure. with the guys I, I really know that I'm friends with and everything too, right. but usually we're talking about other stuff too. Like we're, we'll be talking about, you know, sports or yeah. some, some TV shows we like or something like that too. But no, it's like, it's, it's very rare that uh, I'll, I'll go to a wrestling show and I talk to one of the other wrestlers and uh, they'll be like, Hey, did you watch SmackDown the other night? How about that match? And all that too. I, <laughs> It just it just never happens. It's, exactly. It's it's, it's, it's a crazy at- atmosphere. You you would think wrestlers hanging out with other wrestlers in a wrestling show in a wrestling locker room would talk all about wrestling, but that's it. it really doesn't work out that way most of the time. I'll say, believe it or not, listeners, 
<laughs> wrestlers, wrestling personalities, they have other interests too. So <laughs> Absolutely. So okay, um flip side of it though, you you got more and more trained, you whether you want to or not, had more critiquing and then yeah, you kinda got out of it. Did you find yourself getting back into it? Again, we're talking about some of the stuff going on right now, so I assume you watch it again. Was there anything that kind of got you back into watching the mainstream wrestling? Oh, I'd always like check in from you know time to time. Okay. I mean, yeah, there's there that's that's what that's what's great about YouTube. It's like you don't have to like sit down and watch the whole shows. If there's stuff you're interested in, there's always going to be clips of like the stuff that that's you true. like. Okay, you know, I check this out. Maybe not right the second was like, okay, this might be interesting. I'll check this out later or something like that too. So I wouldn't say I'm like just you know completely weaned off of like watching any television uh professional wrestling um i still enjoy uh there's some there's some good stuff in AEW there there's some good stuff like i said i mentioned a few there's some good stuff in WWE that i you know like to follow along but i i've uh, i can't remember the last time probably not since uh NXT back in the uh back in like 2015 2016 when they were on starting on the USA network that I actually sit down and watch a show from start to finish um I just don't really have as much time as I used to I mean god I could my I could tell you it's like all the times that I would stay up late watching Monday Night Raw and Thursday Night Smackdown and uh, TNA back back in the day on Fox right. Sports Net I I watched that whenever that was on or Spike TV I I if if there was wrestling on, I was hooked onto it. But then, yeah, like you said, it's like as as time went on, you know, have more and more matches. I just uh, I don't find the myself, you know, coming coming home and and like okay, Raw's on tonight. Yeah, I'll sit back, relax, and watch the whole deal. Like if I want to watch something, I'll 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 find what I want to watch of it. Okay, but you still have enough knowledge from YouTube and for me, Instagram, that you're sure. able to keep up with what's going on, even if you're not watching it week to week. Absolutely. Three hours at a time. So, yeah. And I can relate to you there because I'm the same way. So, I mean, I I do still watch quite a bit of wrestling. Like, that fandom in me is still very active where, yes, I'm involved, but I'm just as much as a fan as I am into it, too. So, Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Let's get more of your background then, and we'll we'll go from there. Um, I will... No, let's let's talk more of Christian Temple. Um, so uh, again, we we talked before we came on air, and you uh, you saw enough of the the interview the first time we had the Sieve on, not Josh Sievers when I very started this. Whether you watched any of that or not, but that's not what we talked about. Where he you know took his kids to WrestleMania, but he finally gets his uh, his return to the ring after eight years of being away, and 
all stories aside, just the emotions he was going through at that time and what it took for him to get there. But very much so of his of his path of his career in general involves Christian Temple. So when he did come back, a lot of what the story we were telling had some relevance because when I said this is a blast from your past, <laughs> that was indeed the truth. Um and so that he he says and he came on and he said the the representatives of who the sieve represents and Christian Temple is one of them. Um and he still despite the fact that uh that he doesn't necessarily see eye to eye with you now and I really don't blame him for that. He's at least still humble enough to give you credit for training with you and being brought into the wrestling business together. But I mean you kind of alluded to you were always always a fan. Well, you have quite a bit of fandom before your time in wrestling. Uh when was it let's let's go back to the very beginning then. Um Christian Temple the wrestling fan, when when was it that you decided that this was something you were wanting to do? Was it right away? What's your story there? And then let's go through your start in wrestling. Floor is yours. So I, yeah, absolutely. So um, just basically right out of high school, I knew I at least wanted to give this a try. I didn't okay. know when. I didn't know where. I didn't know how. I had no idea you know, how to start this. Um, and uh, through a, a, a mutual friend of mine, um, I found out uh, that there was going to be a seminar in Salina, Kansas. This was in the summer of 2012. And uh, come to find out that uh, the nasty boy, Brian Nobbs, was going to be doing a three-day camp. Um, I forget the name of the bar it was at. So it was, they were, there was going to be like a, a Friday, a camp, uh, Saturday, a camp, Saturday night uh, would be an actual independent show. And then Sunday was another was the final day of the camp. So come to find out about that. I forget how much it cost. But uh, sure. yeah, so uh, two Two of my uh, my friends I grew up in the same hometown with, uh, Chase and Ian. Um, we uh, we got we got our money, submitted it in. Uh, we rode up to Salina together. We got hotels up there so we can do all all three days of the camp. And uh, yeah, that first day uh, was when I met uh, uh, Rodney, uh, also known as Rock and Rod, is what we called him. Okay, and uh, and the Sieve. So uh, we uh, there there was us five, and there was a few other people too. There were there were I can't remember who most of them were um but uh there were and there was a couple uh local independent guys there too just wanted to you know get get some extra knowledge and all that too but uh most all, all five of us it was basically i know steve had been in a ring maybe a few times but basically the, all of us was the first time at a pro ring like yeah that it, it was cool um so we go through the we're learning the basics you know you know lock up you know how to run the ropes uh how to bump do rolls stuff like that um so do three days of that and uh, the uh, the guy that uh, helped set it up, one of Knobs' uh, students, uh, calls us back uh, a few months later. Says he's going to be starting a uh, a wrestling school, and it would be in Wichita. Um, and it would be starting. We our our first day was uh, no- November uh, November fifth of twenty twelve. That was our first day of training from there. And uh, it was the five of us. It was myself, Chase, and Ian from from my hometown. And Rodney and C, we were the the five that came from that uh, uh, training or that uh, that camp and uh, signed up for that training school too. Um, C was uh, living with the uh, with the trainer, and so was Rodney at the time because they're both from you know out of Wichita, so they were basically right. living at his place. And uh, 
Chase, Ian, and I pretty much carpooled with each other four days a week uh, to uh, to Wichita and back. So it'd be four four days a week, four hours a day. Um, we didn't have it. We didn't even have a ring the uh, the first couple months uh, when we were training. Where were you actually living at this time? Because I was under the understanding that you've just always been in Wichita. Like I know I uh, introduced about, you as about being half from an hour, about okay. half an hour west of Wichita. It was a small town called Kingman. Gotcha. I yeah, say, that's I've, where we went. We all we all went to we all went to elementary school, high school there, and yeah, it was so I, it, I I moved to Wichita a few few years later. But okay, yeah, we were we were all from Kingman originally. So, so you're um currently residing in Rich, Wichita then, right now? Yes. Okay. Correct. All right. Anyway, continue. Um, you you're really yeah yeah sorry. yeah. So so yeah, be uh four four day, four days a week, four hours a day. Uh, like yeah, so like I said, there we didn't have a ring for the first. Uh, I guess it went two months. It was probably like a month and a half. Right. So it was all cha- learning how to do chain wrestling, uh, cardio drills, stuff like that. You know, um, but yeah, once we finally did get a ring, you know, we uh, you know, learned rolls, learned bumps, or learned our simple simple moves and everything too. Um, my first uh actual match. Uh, didn't come until, uh, let's say I started training in, uh, November. Uh, my first match would have been middle of March and that was against, uh, Chase. Um, it was probably like a five minute deal and it was in, uh, Lincoln, Arkansas. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've wrestled in like four different Lincolns, like, uh, wrestled at Lincoln, Arkansas. There's a Lincoln, Kansas. I've been in a Lincoln, Nebraska, and I, I think maybe a, like Lincoln, Missouri. I, I forget. I, there's, well, there's Lincolns everywhere. And that's crazy. I mean, I've, I was born and raised in Lincoln, Nebraska, and, you know, and it's the capital of Nebraska, too. And it wasn't until I was really right out of high school, if not early college, like at the end of my high school life or early college, I even realized that Lincoln was a prominent, prominent enough of a city name outside of Nebraska that – yeah, of course, there weren't any other Lincoln capital cities of other states, but that it was far more common of a city name than I realized. And, of course, named after Abraham Lincoln, so it makes sense. <laughs> makes absolute sense, definitely. So, But, uh, yeah, between – between because uh, that would have been uh, March of 2013, but between that and probably between 2015, I probably only had, like, three or four matches total because uh, our trainer uh, never really went out uh, and – competed at any other uh promotions he pretty much stayed to himself he only ran like two shows probably the whole time so we were you know we were training i mean we were still you know getting ring time and everything but we were kind of just you know spinning our wheels we were actually getting experience in front of a crowd and all that too and uh uh the school kind of i was i was one of the last i was the last student there uh, like i was like sooner the students just started just going away it seemed like oh. i mean a few a few other students would like come in like uh uh a guy named jerry came through uh evan um there was there a angel was was another one i mean kind of tr- trickle through but there was yeah. you know there was just no action going on nothing happening in that area so i finally kind of i just broke myself away from every, everything and realized that I I'm not going to get any better unless I actually go out and, you know, compete. So I had a contact in, uh, in Tulsa and, uh, it was through a company called compound pro wrestling. And he, he had seen some of my stuff and he says like, Hey, I would love to have you, uh, have you come down and, uh, you know, do some shows for me. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll keep in contact. And it had been about eight months and I reached out to him. I said, Hey, is that invitation still, uh, 
still open? And he said, yes. And I was like, but you'll have to get licensed. And uh, this is a kind of a funny story. Um, so Oklahoma requires a wrestling license. Okay. And uh, the show that I was part of, it was, uh, I think it was March 4th, uh, 2015 or six, uh, 15 or six, something, something like that. Okay. Um, but uh, I was hustling, hustling, trying to get my, you know, physical and blood work and everything done too. And uh, it comes to the day of the show and my blood work still isn't in yet. So I go to the doctor's office and I check one more time and I'm, they says like, well, I'm not seeing anything here. And I'm, I'm sad. I'm getting ready to walk out right. of the building too. And then, uh, t- and I get ready to walk out the door and then I hear Josh. I was like, yeah, I was like, I got your stuff right here. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, Oh my God. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, yes, it's there. So I grabbed my paperwork. I drove, drove down to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma and I had my my first match in uh, in Oklahoma against uh, Nathan Estrada, and that was a great time. And they had me down several more times. Uh, Nathan's running his own deal now in Core Pro Wrestling in uh, his hometown of Sand Springs, and uh, Justin and I go there pretty pretty frequently too. So it's crazy to see how how far how far along he's come in the in the time that uh, since I first met him in in 2015. Because I guess he was just breaking into that around that part too. So oh no kidding, but. But then, it, yeah, it just started from there. I I, I worked sh- uh, for different Oklahoma companies. Eventually, uh, Brian reached out to me in uh, 2017 uh, asking if I wanted to uh, do a tag team match against uh, Generation Concept, who was uh, Logan Ricks and Shane Sanders at the time. And they said I could bring my own partner. I brought my my friend uh, Colton Alexander. Mm-hmm. That was the first. That was my first uh, ever match at. Uh, for MWA 2017, and it was for uh, it was a uh, for the tag team titles. It was a uh, funny story that uh, he, since he was uh, just inducted into the Hall of Fame, that was uh, supposed to be uh, uh, Vinny Lee Glamrock's retirement match. Oh, okay. The, the, sh- the show I was I right. was on on that one. So, um, so got a great memory of uh, him and uh, Brian Blade going to the balcony and diving uh, on a bunch of people too. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I'm glad I caught Vinny because I don't know if I would have been able to handle Brian Blade falling on top of me. Oh yeah, <laughs> but man, how MWA has always been a good product, but how desperate Brian Blade and MWA must have been at that time that they had to reach out to you and be like, hey. We have these spots to fill in on this show, so I mean, I mean, maybe he'd heard a good word from some weird, not knowing at all people, but I guess he he took a chance on you, and to his credit, to your credit, I mean, you stuck around since then. So here, here I am, six years later, and still and still still going at it. And I've I've won tag tag team gold there. I've won the mid states title there, and. I've, I'm still on track, and I, I will get my opportunity at the heavyweight title and uh, complete the triple crown. Oh, that's, <laughs> can we remind you that you were the mid-stage champion and then lost the title to Lisa Leathers? Like that, that was the thing. Uh, am I kind of striking a nerve with? I know you're, it was Brian Blade who awarded I was Lisa say, you're the kind title. Of conflating things a little bit there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> she I'm, was she was there. I will say <laughs> it, it's the the record books say that Christian Temple was a mid stage champion. He lost the championship, and Lisa Leathers was a mid stage champion from there. It does say that. <laughs> Don't doubt on me. I I know a thing or two about the record books. I work with those. So, <laughs> but um. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll get more into MWA here in a moment. But I'm still I still have a few questions about even earlier in your start. Let's go back to your training. Um, when you're initially training and getting the fundamentals down and everything. What was what was one thing that you seemed to grasp uh, grasp onto? Because 
going into being a pro wrestler is is a lot, and it's you know it's moves, but it's also you know it, it's a lot more than that. It's this nutrition. It's putting a match together. It's the rules. It's the bumps. It's the promos. There's so much to it. What were you able to grasp on pretty easily, and what was one thing you struggled with the most at the start for you? Well, that's the deal because I any anyone can really nail down the basics. Anyone okay. can learn how to do the rolls. Anyone can take the falls. Anyone can learn to hit the ropes. But what what really um, sets you apart from everyone else is how you can connect to the crowd. And that's going back to what I was saying earlier. It's like if you if you're not actively performing in front of an audience, then you're never going to learn like what what tips people's trigger. I mean, what what's going to make someone love you? What's going to make someone hate you? You know, what where's that connection going to be? If you're just going out there and just going through the motions, well, you're spinning your wheels at that point. I mean, you know, and you may have a good match, but, you know, I've, I've had a lot more people remember, you know, funny, you know, zany, wacky stuff, spots happening in a match instead of, you know, a solid four star match later on. People still yeah. come up and talk, talk about stuff, like moments like that, that kept them entertained rather than just the execution of uh, a, 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 of a, manu- a super maneuver or something like that, you know, Um and that's and that's ultimately what I think uh, what my strength re- what my strength became of connecting with the audience okay. is going out there and actually performing and seeing what works and what doesn't. Um, as far as you know, stuff I've struggled with. Oh Lord, training it! Yeah, I was a slow learner. I mean, I I can remember uh, learning how to run the ropes, and I kept uh, like pivoting on the wrong foot until uh, um, a seven foot tall, near three hundred pound wrestler named Chaos walked up to me, ripped my knee pad down and said, I don't know if you can cuss on podcast, but, but, but don't bleep and don't fucking turn on this leg anymore. And, and I learned my lesson there. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, the bumps were tough at first. I mean, you're throwing yourself willingly onto something. That's not a trampoline folks. Um, running the ropes, obviously that, that took some time. I mean, uh, learning how to execute the basic moves, you know, crisply, properly, and everything too. I mean, everything's just repetition, and uh, uh, some some people nail it in the you know first couple of days. Some take you know two or three months, and I'll I'll be the first to admit I was not I was no spring chicken. I was yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I I needed that I needed that repetition. But ultimately, like I said, you can be you know the most you know uh, stand out like crisp pro wrestler out there but if the audience isn't connecting with you in in any form or fashion then it's it's not really gonna you know mean a whole lot and i will say this kudos to you for for sticking with it you you knew you were struggling but it sounds like you you didn't give up and i'm assuming there were those times where you thought maybe where you might have been questioning what you were doing and should you stick around should you are you gonna eventually get somewhere i'm sure you had those doubts in your mind I, I have to give a special shout out to my wife because there there were those evenings. This is back when we were just dating, but okay. uh, I, I gotta I gotta say that it's like she uh, she was my shoulder to cry on. I mean, I I there were days that I severely doubted myself, and she was always there. She had my back uh, from from day one and believed I could do this, and and uh, I I could I could never be more more thankful uh, to her for for having my back in those moments. And uh, 
You know, I I may never get signed to uh, to a national contract or anything like that to a TV deal or anything, but uh, I can always say that I uh, I I didn't give up, and I I can I can always uh, have her to thank for that. She she kept she kept my head up. Oh, there you go. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll just say, I, so your wife's involved in the wrestling business too. Was yes. was she just a supporter at this time? Was this before her training, and she was just being an encouraging girlfriend? Absolutely. Yeah. No, she, <laughs> uh, she, she hates the story, but, uh, yeah, she, she didn't come along to, uh, begin her training for, uh, uh several years afterwards. Um, I can tell a story, uh, this would have been, let's see, probably April of 20, yeah, April 2016. Um, I was in a match, uh, against Chris Vale. It was a no disqualification match. So obviously the weapons, uh, came out and, uh, she she got to see me uh get busted open with a uh trash can that uh so the trash cans we were using um had the handles on them okay so we took the handles off but yeah. that still left little burrs where yeah. the handles were so all it took was one and just right across the top of my head just this near crimson mask i mean i have a great i have a great photo of uh me with uh my grandmother after oh. <laughs> that match and I, and we're holding the belt together too. And she, she actually has that picture next to her fridge in her house. And I'm just like, boy, I bet you never would have saw the day your grandson get, get busted <laughs> open and bloodied in front of you. Did she? She's like, no, no, I didn't think so. But, uh, she, she was, uh, uh, my, my wife I'm speaking of, she was not happy to, uh, to see me busted open that way. Like her and, uh, uh, her friend, actually, uh, who is now Stormy Renee, uh, before they both trained, they both were outside and they were comforting each other, basically, because they couldn't believe that uh, their fr- you know, their friend is bleeding in front of them. Like, right. It's just something that they never imagined happening, even though, you know, you know it's pro wrestling, you know shit happens but yeah well yeah, that's it, and then and then funny enough and then here we are six years or seven years later and she's she's doing the same things too so <laughs> her both her and stormy renee <laughs> so that was that was one cut then that you were not expecting nope that oh was, man uh, could, could not could not believe uh I, I felt it's like man i'm really sweating and then i looked down and drop 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 and i'm like Oh no. <laughs> that's that's not clear. That's not sweat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now was this when you when you became heavyweight champion for the first time? I knew I I didn't want to mix up stories of what I've heard, but Correct. Yes, that this this was in uh Newton, Kansas. It was uh part of a uh, a best of 7 series that uh myself and uh, Chris Vale were having at the time that did gotcha. uh ultimately cultivate at the First Avenue Social Hall in Lincoln, Nebraska, <laughs> February 2nd of 2017. So it's it's always a, a big nostalgia trip whenever I come back to MWA at the same venue that uh that I had uh uh one of my favorite matches that I quit match against Chris Vale. Yeah, yes crazy and and i knew that too not because i wasn't familiar with your work uh but my friend jesse esquivel he he's come to a number of mwa shows and is very much so thank goodness a johnny cadillac supporter sometimes he likes to fit in with the crowd and boo me a little for some unheard reason but ultimately he's a fan and he 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 is a friend of mine so he uh she's best of both worlds cuz then he's like well that's still kind of cool too and i've had him <laughs> on this podcast and him and i gosh if we had the microphones in front of us 
and recording the entire time we talked. Uh, me listeners would be listening to probably a three or four hour show as opposed to something, you know, I try to keep around an hour, maybe a little more. Um, and he told me that like his first involvement of seeing Christian temple was he went to the first Avenue social hall and saw, he's like, he wrestled this guy named Chris Vale. I said, yeah, I know Chris Vale. And <laughs> so it's crazy. And to just see all these conversations I've had and everything coming together and how much that meant to you and your career. It's just, it's a kind of full circle moment in different aspects there. hundred percent, hundred percent. But yeah, that, that's a, uh, in uh, so 2017 going to 2018, that, that was kind of, uh, and, you know, I'm just trying to find my groove as a singles competitor. And it really starting in 2019 is when I really, uh, found myself at a crossroads because, uh, you know, I was like, well, I'm not really, you know, going out anywhere new or anything like that. I mean, so I, uh, maybe I should take a break for a little bit or something like that too. And then, uh, it, it was hilarious because I was going to go tell the uh, promoter, uh, I forget wherever show it was, might've been Hutchinson or something like that. Okay. It's like, it's like, yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'll probably step away for a little bit too. But then I get on my way to the venue, I get a text message from, uh, Justin and he says like, Hey, br- Hey man, you want to be my partner tonight? My, my other one, uh, backed out tonight. I was like, Oh, this would be fun. <laughs> and it was crazy because we, you know, it was such short notice. Um, there was, you know, we had no matching gear at that point. We were like totally different colors and everything too. But for some reason, and I couldn't believe this, but when they announced us together, Justin Gray and Christian Temple, like it was one of the louder ovations that I can remember, especially hmm. at Hutchinson. There wasn't that many people there either. Yeah. But the funny thing is like they, they knew who Justin was because he had been around for a little while there. They know who I was. They know we're both local guys and it just, it just clicked from there. It seemed like, so right. I thought, huh, well, if, if you're cool with it, maybe we should start running with this. And then, uh, about, a a week later when we showed up in Salina, it was, it was so magical because like they introduced us. We didn't, uh, I don't know if we came up with the rebel hearts name yet, but we were still introduced as uh, separately as ourselves. We kind of, I had, uh, an extra pair of like black, uh, biker trunks. And I said, here, we, we can at least match a little bit this time. All right. We go out there and it was still a great ovation and they were throwing streamers at us. I mean, I, the, we were against the American way, Eddie Rydell and Aaron Helms. And it was amazing. Cause we, we get in the ring and the, the crowd throws, throws the streamers at us, which we, they usually say for like the main event guys for the main event matches. Right. Like, I'm not saying the streamers were new or anything like that. Sure. It's like they did, but they started throwing it and they, they just kept coming at us too. It's like people were actually, you know, behind us as a tag team they could they had they believed in us and it was crazy it's like oh man we got to keep building up on this so came up with the tag team name came up with the uh the rebel hearts uh justin being the the heavy metal heavy metal rebel and me as the epic heart so we just combined the two with that and uh yeah, it just uh, escalated from there more and more people were were getting behind us as a tag team and that 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 definitely gave me the uh a, a big time jolt in uh in and loving uh, wrestling again too. Yeah, and, and it's crazy because you were about to not necessarily give it up, but at least take yeah. a break. And then it was kind of a career resurgence for you in another direction. And it was, a weird, twi- it was a weird twist of fate. Yeah, ultimately. that's the crazy thing. Yeah, and it it was perfect with Justin because um, not not a whole lot of people know this, but I've known Justin since uh, fourth grade. Okay. Um, we 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 met in. Uh, 
uh, in band class. Uh, we were both trumpets. Okay. Um, uh, I've just come to find out like we both, you know, rest wrestling fans and all that too. We started talking and that's, uh, that's, that's how we came so close. And, uh, he, uh, he wasn't, uh, sure if he wanted to be a wrestler at the time when I started training. So he came along later. Okay. I basically helped, uh, get him started in, uh, in training. And, uh, he basically took, took it from there and did the same thing I did, you know, got, got more experience there too. And he had been wrestling for, uh, about, uh, three years, uh, before we, uh, began teaming up too. And we thought it was like, it was like, man, we just like, who, who knows each other better, you know, than us? I mean, we've, we've, we, we did the whole, uh, you know, backyard wrestling back in the day, you know, on a trampoline too. I mean, we right. watched wrestling together. It's like we, we, we know each other extremely well. I mean, we lived down the street from each other too. So there was, yeah, there, there wasn't more than a two day period where we weren't hanging out with each other, whether it was at school or whether it was at my house or his house. So it was just, it just worked out perfectly. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to, uh, be his, his friend and I'm honored to be, uh, one of his groomsmen in his, uh, upcoming wedding this, uh, this October. I couldn't be happier for him. There you go. And we'll uh, we'll talk more about this in a moment, but it's crazy how, hate to say it, but how similar we are in, in some ways and have, I'm not going to say similar past, but my whole thing is I, I started out in the backyard uh, thanks to the sieve. I hadn't even met him in person yet, but he... he Mr. Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, this was, he was still, he had trained, uh, he, I'm not going to say trained, he went there one week and started doing some things and then he he told the owner hey i have an i have a friend who's in school he's in college right now working on a degree because he wants to be a wrestling announcer could he come here and then the owner promoter whatever of this backyard group said well right now we have different wrestlers doing the commentary so yeah we could definitely use somebody who's just there for announcing so i was there the next week and then he was actually mr gq and then it turned into Mr. Nebraska. So I'm smiling that you, you're pointing that out to me. I wasn't going to say anything, but here we are. And, um, and then, I mean, I was there at that journey where he, he felt like he did all that he could do there. He was a champion there for a while and he wanted more and he wanted more than what this group was giving him. And he was introduced to a man named Lance Chafin actually came into the group. And, uh, and then next thing I know, he's moving down to Kansas to get, further training and he you know he has brian knob stories too and uh um but there was another wrestler there and i hate giving this guy credit and it'll make more sense once i give his name but his name was kid kamikaze and uh and so you know eventually he he was there and then i think he just kind of gave up on it and well not gave up on it but he went on to bigger and better things and didn't really stick with it to the very end and but we stayed in contact here and there and the group folded and i eventually i graduated from college i have a degree in broadcast journalism production and my friend jeremiah hates it when i tell this story and i love telling the story because it's a part of who i am is you know uh there's about three four or five years that passed after that and ultimately i'm just this guy working at Toys R Us and what am I doing that puts my college degree to use in any sort of way. And he's getting ready to graduate from high school. And he said, John, no offense, but you're kind of the reason why I'm glad that I never went to college because uh, you got a degree and you're not doing anything with it. And not even a week later, I I get prom- or promoted. I get 
contacted about this job at a radio station, and here I am working in radio six years later. And around the same time, Kid Kamikaze reaches out to me, and I've been seeing his posts on Facebook about this upcoming MWA show, and I'd heard of MWA, never been to any of their shows, and this one was it was going to feature a cage match. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool for indie wrestling to have a cage match. Two days before the event, apparently they need a ring announcer, and he contacts me saying, hey, uh, how do you feel about ring announcing on Friday? So I've never ring announced before. I've just been an announcer. So I thought it over, and I, uh, I'm glad I gave it a try because now... Here we are six years later, and I'm making your life miserable. So it's great. <laughs> and uh, and nobody even knows the name Kid Kamikaze anymore, thanks to me. So Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> oh, man. Kim, Kid Kamikaze, one of my greatest rivals at one point in MWA, the guy I beat for the MWA yeah. mid, Mid-States title. Um, no, I... I that's that actually is a great story. I mean, that's that's kind of how that's wrestling in a nutshell. Honestly, I guess you, so. you never you never know when, but when <laughs> it happens, you never forget it. Yeah. So you you never forget where you were when you got that call or get that text or uh, that opportunity and all that. So, but no, it's and then I was about to, I was about to give you credit for something because um, I I've been to a lot of shows, I've seen a lot of ring announcers, and there's very few that know how to even work a microphone correctly where they're not popping everything that they say or no one can hear what they're saying too. So I was going to give you credit for that. But good God, if you don't drone on and on and on about being who oh. you are and everything. Oh, so, well, uh, thank you. <laughs> and I was going to bring this up, too, because you're bringing that up. And so we, we we're kind of in a blood feud here, not physical blood. As far as I know, during our rivalry, you haven't been split open yet. And I've still looked pretty um, every show throughout. <laughs> and, uh, okay, left up to interpretation. I get it. But anyway... um. But it was, people would think it might have started the night I stripped the Rebel Hearts of the MWA Tag Team titles. And in a lot of ways, they'd be accurate in that, but that's what the Lincoln crowd saw. What they didn't see was you and I working in North Platte a couple months before then, where you took my microphone and told me in front of the crowd, trying to make yourself look better, has anybody told you that you sound boring? And like you're, I mean, and Grand, we had all sorts of sound issues and not and whatnot that night. And I actually was given advice from Cowboy James Storm at that very show about kind of how to improve my craft. Um, and I, you know, I, I still have struggles from time to time. But it was a that was a very uplifting night. But it made my blood boil at the name Christian Temple a little more because you have to get the crowd behind you at, at the detest of me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's it's not my fault. You were such an easy target that night. Oh. So, well, and then and then I allow you to use one of my outlets to charge your cell phone, and then you start threatening me about if anything happened to your phone. I wasn't going to touch it. <laughs> <laughs> but oh man, this uh, I love going down memory lane, and we'll uh, get more there in a second. But I, I want to ask you, uh, where did the name Christian Temple come from? What what made you decide that that was going to be your ring name? Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's pretty simple, actually. My, uh, my father's name is actually Chris. So, uh, I thought Chris and then Christian sounded a little bit better. And, uh, I actually have some family that lives down in, uh, Temple, Texas. So oh. <laughs> I just put it together like that one day and it's stuck. And I, I bounced it off of my friends in our, in our little friend group and all that too. And like the first, the first friend of mine's name is Tony said, eh, not a fan, but literally every other friend after that says, like, I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. 
so imagine that the first friend is like like yeah that sucks and they're just like, <laughs> i like it i'm like all right cool i'll i'll follow the crowd and see, yeah <laughs> see what they say and <laughs> screw you tony well no, thank you tony. for sharing your opinion tony but everybody I, else I, says otherwise <laughs> i love tony he's the best <laughs> <laughs> no and it's like he, he worked he worked for nasa for about a year or so actually oh. he's a smart he's a smart guy <laughs> i should have listened to him <laughs> he just got that one wrong apparently but exactly i mean it, to me it was always interesting because you know i'm i'm a very devout christian myself and to me, so if I hear the name Christian, yeah, I know it's a name too, but I think of the religion more than anything else. And then for the last name of Temple, which you're now saying is a town in Texas, where I'm like, okay, like the Christians kind of have the church and the mm-hmm. synagogue and that. But then, you know, Temple can be a very religious term too. And the fact that I'm like, okay, Christian Temple, like, mm-hmm. I was always, I hear that name and I, I think religion. And then you're like, well, no, it has nothing to do with that, but no. <laughs> well, you know, it, it works perfectly because obviously we're in the Bible Belt and all that too. So that's kind of yeah. a name, like like you said, like that's something a name people can latch onto. And most of the time, um, I'm I'm a good guy most of the places where I go to, and on, and a lot of times I play off that too, where I'll do the Rocky uh, uh, kneel in the corner, bow my head, and and uh, say a quick prayer and all that okay. too, which I do I do mean I do I do say a prayer for the safety of everyone there. Gotcha. And uh, I always. Uh, before I before I go through the curtain, I always uh, do a quick uh, sign of the cross and uh, point up. And uh, I know Brian Blade does this uh, in honor in honor of his dad. Yeah, uh, I do. I do the same thing in honor of uh, one of my friends in the business that we uh, lost way too soon. His name was uh, Bubba Sutton, okay. uh, who uh, tragically passed away in a in a car accident a couple couple years back. And uh, it's it's crazy to think because uh, literally less than twelve hours before he passed away. Um, he and I were in the ring together in oh, a match. Man. It was uh, myself and uh, uh, Colton Alexander again, the guy I wrestled in MWA, uh, teaming up against uh, Duke Cornell and uh, Bubba Sutton, and that was for uh, TAPW in in New uh, Junction, Harrington, Harrington, Kansas. And we just come back. It was a, such a fun match. Um, Duke, Duke Cornell was actually late, so we actually fi- uh, filled him in. This like right when he walked in the door, we we're like two matches later, and he got changed quickly into. And he and uh, Duke's a pro, dude. Yeah. He's, he's, oh, aw- yeah, he's awesome. Um, but yeah, and then afterwards, I I just my last memory of him. Um, I'm sitting there uh, undoing my boots and everything too, and uh, he comes up and he and he hands me a beer, and and we sat and, and uh, had a cup had a drink. Uh, talked a little bit too, and uh, I, I never could have imagined that that would have been the the last time I saw him that night. So that was, it's it just just goes to show, you know, it's you know you, you never know when your time is coming too, and that's what I always uh, before I step through that curtain when the music's playing, I, I always look up and I, I remember him because I know it's like you don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring, so I'm gonna go out through that curtain and make it the best that I can. That's that's all that's all you can do. Absolutely. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba worked hard for what you have your money your assets your 401k and home isn't it all worth protecting nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft lifelock ultimate plus helps protect your finances with up to three million dollars in reimbursement 
LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Now, we're quite a bit into this, but uh, um, people who follow the MWA product, follow me on social media, they know why there's a little bit more of a spark. Why there could be a little more interest for the fact that you're on on Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk with me, and let, let's uh, talk about what they might want to hear, um, because we have. I'm surprised we've gotten along this well for the last hour so far. Uh, for the most part, we've said some things here and there, both of us, and uh, but um, I don't know. I we haven't really been the best of friends in the ring. For I realize this, uh, so we're coming out of the Lincoln Hall of Fame show. Just we did this what, last week, and a week or two ago, you know, recently. And I was thinking about it, and I realized because when I there's one thing that I'm very um, thankful of you is that you record all your matches, and the fact that some of my uh, to me I've had the most character, some of my best work. And getting my name more out there, where people are saying Johnny Cadillac more, usually in a negative context, context, but it's been at the detriment of you, and uh, it's it's taken. I think our careers have kind of skyrocketed for different reasons in so many different ways since then. But I realize because when when I stripped you of the titles, I was like, man, I got some mic. For- time aside from just yelling at the crowd aside from announcing the next match i made an announcement that really for lack of a better term pissed people off and i'm sure um you know you still might be a little bitter but you could be thankful at the same time anyway uh but i realized that was at the hall of fame show last year so we've been doing this for a year now and to me to be honest it's been a lot of fun but it doesn't feel like it's been that long. It blew my mind when I thought about that. It it, it hasn't been that long, and you know what? In in the in the weird scape uh, of things, people understand our conflict because everyone that's in that crowd most likely has a job. They most likely have a boss that is overbearing. They have a boss that gives them things that doesn't seem fair, you know, or or does things that's that's something fair. And and you don't have that at all in MWA. (laughs) In reality, (laughs) what are you going to do with that? Are you going to uh, fold? Are you going to quit? Or are you going to rise to the challenge, accept the challenge and beat that challenge? And that's what I think uh, really appeals to that crowd, which is why they seem happy whenever I do come out come out of that curtain when they hear my music play, when I start clapping, they start clapping along is because they know that there's a challenge in front of me and I will do whatever it takes to step up and complete that challenge in spite of you. Cause I know you are more than happy to see me fail at every wake and turn. And they'll, they'll be even more, more happy when I finally get that chance, that championship match after winning that battle Royal in Lincoln, Nebraska, in front of that faithful crowd, instead of uh, where, where was that at McCook or Beatrice, when when Van Johnson threw the referee in front of my boot there and got me disqualified, I, I think the people are ready to see me finally get what's coming to me, and that's a true championship opportunity. But you know what? I think Brian Blade 
is very capable in that. You know what? Brian Blade has beaten me three times. I'm man enough to admit that. And if he wins, if he beats Van Johnson, then if my opportunity comes against him, I'll do whatever it takes to earn that shot again. I mean, I've heard a lot of I think in this. Let me tell you what I know. <laughs> Is I know that you, you're dreaming. And it's good to have dreams. I know that not all dreams come true. And I know that Johnny Cadillac is going to do everything in his power to make sure your dreams just do that, that they don't come true for you. You've, you've impressed me. To be honest, if I'm being completely honest, you've impressed me. I've put some challenges in front of you. I knew you, you were, you were upset that I stripped you of the tag team tiles. That's where this all started. I I wasn't expecting you to get past Jack Darling in that match. You proved me wrong. You were already you were swinging in the right direction. Kudos. And uh, and then you get on my microphone and say that the Rebel Hearts is getting championship gold in 2023. And I've been a firm doubter in that. And here we are in July, and I still haven't seen any championship gold around your waist in the MWA setting. I know we still have a little less than half the year left, but I don't know. You have, you've gotten, so I've put you in a tag team picture several times since then. You know, we had teams like the Crucible and MWA, and I never saw you victorious. And you even told me in a promo that you either conquered the challenges I laid ahead of you or you learned from them. So to your credit, you did that. But let's let's talk about that MWA rumble. So great for me to bring back the sieve. And I was just, I was, uh, Pretty devastated to see while you were sulking in the corner that everyone else in the match had to get the sieve eliminated. Otherwise, my $100 I spent to get him in that rumble would have paid off and we would have had a different championship outcome. Of course, at the time, Brian Blade was still champion. So maybe, you know, the sieve could have taken the title from them there. Um, but I don't know, you know, Van Johnson was in the right of getting his championship match that night and he's been the champ since. And I know. Ultimately, Van Johnson is somebody you are very familiar with. But the fact you know, I did put you in as entry number one, I was not at all... Exp- I figured you were going to be out by before the entry number three came in. And you somehow went the distance and you won that. I know you have championship aspirations. You've mentioned that here. But let's talk about that Rumble a minute. Like, what did that mean to you besides, quote, shutting me up? What did that mean to you to be put in that spot and to be able to prevail? What did that mean to you in your career? Well, you know, kind of to wrap this whole thing together, um, we talked about Shawn Michaels earlier, too, and that was one of his also career accolades. He started number one in the Royal Rumble, and he went the distance. And uh, I can only imagine that, like, the, the, the feeling for him doing that, going the distance, the blood, sweat, and tears, you know, I, I imagine how exhausted he was i could tell you exactly how exhausted i was when i finally finally uh came out victorious in that rumble um you talk about uh the dream and just to wrap this whole thing back up together the boyhood dream of him winning the heavyweight championship oh that's gonna feel so good when i finally get that heavyweight championship and you're right we are in july august is around the corner and i know i'm not in the title match but that doesn't mean I'm out of the title picture. And with the wins I've been stringing up uh, lately, I got a feeling I'll have a ch- another shot at it before the end of the year. But that rumble, uh, going back to what you said, there were 
Oh, man, there was more than 30 guys in there, wasn't there? Was there 33, 34, 35? <laughs> the exact number was 27, but it might have felt <laughs> like there was more. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. No, that was that was absolutely one of the uh, – the, one of the one of the best victories in my career that didn't involve an actual championship. So that was uh, a moment I will never forget. The crowd, uh, the crowd's, uh, you know, support behind me. I heard them chant "Rebel Hearts" multiple times during that match. And uh, when uh, when I threw Big T and uh, uh, Levi McDaniel over the top rope at the very end, then them jumping up in the air uh, celebration. That that's a moment I will never forget. And I'm glad I got to. Glad I definitely recorded that one so I can go back and see that one too. Especially the part where you said your winner of the MWA Rumble, Christian Temple. It was so nice I had to make you say it twice. I remember that. I was very <laughs> bitter about having to say it the first time. And then I had to be the professional. Because, you know, I'm I'm not that bad of a guy. And uh, I let you hear it a second time. And uh, my, my, my blood's boiling, and I'm not going to say it again here. I already said, yeah, you oh, won, come but on, I'm not buddy. putting it all together. Sake. Nope, Roll time not sake. doing it. <laughs> but, no, and that was – still to be a part of that, though, was it was something – because I remember the show prior to that, uh, we were kind of talking about what was what was to happen, and, you know, I – you were in a singles match at night. No, no, it was a tag team – I can't remember. You were in a singles match. That's what it was. And – I didn't really have anything planned as I knew I didn't like you, but I didn't really have anything planned to stick out on that. So it was just, you were in the opening match and I believe that was against party poison. And, uh, I, I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong. And I wanted to make sure that I made it so that party poison was Roman Reigns showing up to MWA with the WWE championship. That was the introduction party poison was going to be getting for this match against this guy from Wichita, Kansas laying in at 215 pounds, Christian temple. <laughs> and, and, like, it's and it's amazing because when you give the instance like that, the, the crowd is still, they still get just as into it, so it's it's. Yeah, it's a I don't know what's wrong to, with them. It's a testament to the uh, to the animosity between the two of <laughs> us here too. They 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 know that you have you have the outs for me, and uh, they're ready to see me overcome whatever uh, obstacle is in my way this time. And no matter how big, <laughs> how how monumental, how unstoppable it may appear. They're always ready to see me tackle the challenge, and I can I can only thank you for that for for making it that much better for me when I actually do complete those challenges. Well, and so and you did get past Party Poison that night, and to me, I thought, okay, well, we uh, made the most of it in his match, which was a little more than what I was expecting, but I didn't really have you know much of an idea. I was I was more excited about the rest of the show. You know, let's get Christian Temple out of the way, so then some of the real great action could be following that. And, uh, I mean, I did believe in Party Poison, and he let me down that night, but I digress. And it was about intermission, and you you come out getting ready to sell your merchandise, and you're poking fun at me because that's the unprofessional man that you are. And and I'm like, I have to deal with this guy. And so then I, I get on a microphone, and I, I'm plugging the 50-50 raffle, and we're about to go to intermission. Go get your concessions. 50-50 raffle, and I purposely, I saved the merchandise last because I wanted to make sure the fans knew that they can get merchandise of all their favorite MWA stars, all the great MWA stars, and Christian Temple. 
And to me, it was just kind of magic in a bottle there as I went over and I started kind of tantalizing your, your fans there and uh, telling them if they spent, and I firmly believe this, if you spend more than a dollar on Christian Temple merchandise, you're spending too much money. And for whatever reason, they weren't liking what they're hearing and they're being disrespectful to me like they always are. And I've already made the announcement of the MWA Rumble, and you're like, hey, that Rumble's coming up. And then you had to have pleaded your way to the MWA board of directors, because you know I don't always see eye-to-eye with them. So then I have to make that announcement more than before any other name that you were entering. And the last thing I really expected, and I knew, I knew, I, I thought you were going to need a GoFundMe account to get the $100 to get buy-in in the first place. Um, but you know, somehow you cough up the money and I knew you were going to be ready. You were ready to tear me down. And I was like, I'm not going to let that. So I announced entry number one and just to see like where I wasn't really planning on anything, but the story it became and honestly, the crowd support you got from that was like, wow, it was, don't let this get to your head, but it was truly something great to be a part of. (laughs) Well, thank you. Uh, thank you. You, you, Please, please hold your applause here. Um, <laughs> no, that that was, as I said, it was easily one of the uh, the best nights of my career uh, that didn't involve winning a a championship. Because, uh, like as I mentioned earlier, everyone loves a good story of uh, the the guy having the odds stacked against them, especially someone they they want to to root for. And that's that's one of the biggest tropes of wrestling is, uh, you know, you, you, you go to see a good guy, you go to see a bad guy, you go to see a good guy overcome what the bad guy has in store for him, too. And, uh, you know, every single time I go to Lincoln, which is why I, you know, I've turned down other bookings because I love going to Lincoln. And I love going to Nebraska so much because the fans are always so behind me and they're so supportive that, you know, it's it's almost become uh, you know, a secondary hometown for me. I mean, you probably remember the one night and one match I had where I told you to say, instead of I'm from Wichita, Kansas, say representing Lincoln, Nebraska. And I do you can remember, remember you can remember the roof coming off the place uh when you made that announcement. So it's I, I feel like they've accepted me as uh, as one of their own. And that's uh that's a that's a high honor to me, in my opinion. Well, and it's fitting that you, you, you keep saying that uh, the MWA Rumble was the biggest moment for your career, short of winning a championship. And, you know, you've made your your desires and your goals known for 2023. We've talked about it in this podcast. And to me, I think as long as. Justin Gray is able to show up to some of those other promotions and not, uh, you know, decide that he wants to be in a death match and might be a little too hurt to show up in Lincoln. And mm-hmm. so maybe you can get championship gold in those other promotions. But I'm like, man, sort of, <laughs> it was great, sort of winning a championship. Well, that's about the best comparison in MWA that you'll be able to give it because I don't, I don't see any further championship gold in your future. Just going to say that. All right. Well, that sounds like a challenge, and you know me. I love myself a good challenge. So I'm excited for what, uh, let's be honest, what you have in store for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, in, in August. I'm excited for that challenge. You could tell me right now, or you can keep it a secret. Oh. It's, uh, it's up to you. I'm, I'm, o- I'm okay with either or. I'm game for either or. Oh, you, but, you uh, just wait and see. Oh, I, 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 I will wait and see. Then. And that, if, if that's the stakes we're playing here, too, then, uh, I will, I will call, I will call those stakes. So, but no, I'll give a special shout out to those fans in Lincoln, Nebraska. 
If you haven't gotten your tickets, get them now because not only will you see me take one step closer to my goal of winning the MWA Heavyweight Championship, but you will most likely see Brian Blade also get the championship back from Van Johnson. And as much as I would like to stop my face through Van Johnson's head like I have in the past, I think a rematch between myself and Brian Blade, it's been overdue for almost two years now, I'd say. Well, it's uh, I can't really find any better wrapping up point than that, and we've gone on for a very long time. Uh, Might have to do a part two sometime, won't we? Uh, maybe so. And you know, <laughs> I, it despite the the beef between us, it, it has been a lot of fun today. So I'll I'll bring you on again. Um, glad we able we're able to get this interview worked out. Hear your story. Um, and how much it could mean to others, so it'll be all the better for me when I destroy those dreams as I'm continuing to do. You just wait and see. But uh, it was <laughs> well, a lot of fun. As much, as much as it pains me here, thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> um, now, but maybe next time we shall discuss the terms of bringing back and unsuspending one Justin Gray. But I guess we'll leave that as a little bit of a cliffhanger for uh, for the next time that that you have me on here. Maybe a, a live uh, negotiation oh, uh, man. on your on your podcast. So, so I'm not even going to say anything res- in response to that because I have witty responses ready and accurate responses. But uh, I like this cliffhanger idea, so we'll just leave it at that. And yeah, I, I don't need to ask you your future goals because you've made it quite obvious. And you're going to keep chasing, and, you know, best of luck to you. I'm going to have a say otherwise, and as much as I can on if you can achieve those goals. But you bring up some some uh, fair points, so we'll, we'll see what happens, and uh, we'll leave that cliffhanger there for next time. <laughs> so, well, Christian Temple, thank you for this time. It was a... Uh, it was something, but it was it was it was good to hear your story and your background and uh, bringing us to where we are now. So thank you for your time today. I, I have to say, of all the podcasts I've ever done, this is definitely one of them. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was it was enjoyable talking about wrestling and about my my childhood uh, enjoy uh, being a fan as to uh, uh, compared to uh, my time as a pro wrestler. It's nice going back a a track of memory lane. So I always enjoy doing stuff like this, even if uh, the host may not be as uh, homely and warm to me as uh, most other hosts in the past. But you know what? Uh, To to each their own. Uh, Mr. Cadillac, I can't believe I'm calling you that, but uh, I guess I will see you here in August. There you go. We'll see you then. This was another episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. Hell may not have frozen over, but Christian Temple has joined me. Thank you for uh, for listening to this. It was uh, it was quite the interview for sure. But I'm Johnny Cadillac, your host, and until next time, we will see you then. Have a good day, everyone.